0: I, you've brought up Christmas time a few times, so I kind of want to shift to talking about Christmas, um, because I think you and I touched on this a little bit in our episode about reclaiming prayer. Because we're not religious anymore, but so much of our Christmases and like our Easter's, like the holidays, were so enmeshed with the traditions that are within Catholicism as well. So it's hard for me to really like separate the two to separate the religious traditions and the religious rituals from the actual holiday. And sometimes that's challenging for me now in my life. Like what does Christmas look like now without going to church and without all the prayers? But really there's like I think there was a lot of beauty in that in in those rituals. And I actually have a lot of very special fond like memories of of that, of Christmas time and, and religion. Um, it's interesting you were talking about Christmas presents, you know, and, and what that felt like to have a Christmas where you didn't get gifts. I feel like I was kind of on the reverse side because for my whole childhood, we never really got presents. Um, it was actually normal that we would get one, maybe two small gifts from mom and dad every year. That's just how it was for me. There was one Christmas I don't I don't think you were born yet or if you were you were small. There was one Christmas that like dad must have like sold something because he also like would buy and sell church goods and he must have like sold something big that year because we had money for presents. And I remember like each of us kids got like five or six gifts and some of them were like really expensive. Um that was like pretty amazing, but when I really think about like the best Christmases of my life, Like, yeah, that one's up there, but I wouldn't call it like the best. And I think for me, it was really about being able to focus not on dad having a meltdown every year because he always had a, had like a meltdown every Christmas because he was a church musician and that was like the most stressful time of the year. And
1: Thanksgiving and Easter, (laughs) mostly Christmas because of like the busyness, Yeah, every holiday it was just like the pressure of, of the holiday. He would just have like... Yeah. Like a meltdown.
0: <laughs> he, yeah, he did. So I feel like every, every holiday was kind of like overshadowed by dad's mental breakdowns and him really freaking out about everything. Um, but I feel like the best Christmases that I remember were the ones where I was able to kind of look past that and kind of go into my own inner world and really pull the magic of Christmas in to me and really like embody that. And I have like a few specific memories, and I'm probably gonna just like lump this all into one Christmas because, and just make it one perfect Christmas in my head, you know. And that's okay, but it's probably like three or four Christmases I'm pulling from. But I have memories of Advent, like remember the Advent wreath? You have like the four candles, and mm-hmm. then there's like the one in the middle. You you light on Easter Sunday, or no? Oh, my gosh. I'm mixing it up. You, re- you light, like, for Christmas. There's, like, one in the middle or something, I think, if I remember. Yeah. But I remember Christmas Eve one one year, we were, like, we had just lit the last candle. And the tree was lit. You know, we always put up our tree, like, right before Christmas. Like, we had to wait till like, a few days before Christmas. So the tree was up. It was all decorated. It was beautiful. We had our table set up in the living room with our huge over-the-top nativity set (laughs) and like there was candles lit everywhere and we were singing Christmas songs and it was like right before the rosary you know again like traumatic events the rosary every day but like this was really special this (laughs) specific day that I remember we like everything had gone smoothly dad was actually like calm we were singing Christmas carols And we had lit the candles and we were all crowded around the nativity scene and it was surrounded by lights and candles. And whoever was the baby that year had taken baby Jesus because I remember the youngest child would get to take baby Jesus and put baby Jesus in the nativity in the little like, you know, the little whatever cradle thingy in the nativity set. They had just put baby Jesus in, and we were like saying these prayers, you know, before the nativity scene. And I just remember that feeling of just like everything in the world was just perfect in that moment. I just felt surrounded by my family. Everyone was calm. We were all singing and praying together. It was like the magic of Christmas. Like tomorrow morning, it's Christmas morning. Like anything can happen. You know, we're going to go to church, we're going to see all of our friends. And, it was just such a beautiful moment. And then the next morning waking up and, you know, we're from Chicago. So it had like just snowed and it was like just that fresh blanket of snow. And I remember driving to church and like I was wearing my Christmas dress and I felt so pretty and everything was snowing and just, I don't know. It was just so perfect. Like just the feeling of all of that. And it's, I just remember it wasn't listening even listening
1: to the Christmas radio. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't even about the presents because like, I'm actually grateful now at this point in my life that we didn't get a lot of presents growing up because it never was about the presents for me because I never knew any different. And I mean, it was like a bonus, but for me, it was about just feeling that Christmas spirit and just feeling the connectiveness to everybody and just how the world kind of slows down. And there's just those beautiful little traditions that you keep and- Like, I used to love curling up around Christmas time on the sofa and reading Christmas books, like Christmas stories and drinking hot chocolate. But just those are the things that, like, really, really make it Christmas, I think, and seeing grandma and grandpa, as you said. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I definitely relate to that. And I think it started to get harder for me because I had it was the same, almost exact same thing for me. Um, but I think up until like my, like, like my teen leading into my teenage years where I started to recognize a lot of the fucked (laughs) upness of not only religion, but my, our family and my dad. So, and then also having like, I had a flip phone, so I'd be like texting, aggressively texting like my cousins and stuff. (laughs) And they all like, it was just like starting to morph into that generation of um, comparing yourself to other people more because Mm. you had more communication. So seeing the way that other people lived and how they didn't have to endure a lot of that, like poverty and Christmas time or having mentally unstable, a mentally unstable father like that. It was just a lot of like grieving, I guess for me However, um, I do relate a lot. Like all of that, everything you said, like the snow and the Christmas radio and reading Christmas books and the whole, we would like deck out our entire house for Christmas and all of these antiques. Like it was like walking into her house. It was just like magic. And we had, um, Christmas like these little bells. It was like a string of bells and we hung them <gasps> I along like those. a huge like the entryway and it had a little battery device and you turn it on and the each individual bell was a different note and it would play Christmas music and it had like a, a playlist of like ten different songs and the bells would play the whole song And that like we would turn it on in the morning or my mom would turn it on and going downstairs in the morning at Christmas time. It was so cool. You also had like a a Christmas carousel thing where you plugged it in and it would play Christmas like an organ Christmas music. um, (laughs) We had a huge stereo system because my dad, he's a musician. So we had a huge stereo system in our dining room and turning on like classical Christmas music and the whole house just came alive.
0: Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the bells. That was always so like magical to listen to the bells playing carols. Did you when you were a kid, did you get to have your own little personal tree in your bedroom?
1: I think so. I think most of the years, yeah.
0: Yeah, because that was something we did when we were kids. Mom and dad got two small Christmas trees. They were like artificial ones because we always had a real Christmas tree in the living room that we had to go yeah. out with dad and cut down.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, it's like. <laughs> hey, but it made the house, it made the house smell
1: so good. Oh, no, dude. I freaking love. The smell of the Christmas I, tree. I love real Christmas yeah. trees.
0: Yeah. Um So, but we had two small artificial ones. It was one for the girls' room, one for the boys' room. And, like, the week before Christmas, we would get to haul them out of the attic. And we had, like, boxes of ornaments and lights. And we got to decorate our own little trees for the rooms. So, when you say the whole house was decked out, like, legit, the entire house was decked out. Even our bedrooms for Christmas. So.
1: And my parents, they would do like Christmas bedding. Like my parents had like a whole
0: Christmas thing in their room. <laughs> yeah. You know, Christmas was really like dad's thing. Like he loved Christmas as much as he just like had like a an aneurysm every year <laughs> from the stress. He really loved Christmas. And he, that was like the one thing that yeah. he just would go all out with. Like, I, I do remember like when we would, decorate the tree he would get so excited about like taking all the boxes out of the attic and dusting them off and opening them up and he had so many antique ornaments like from his childhood and from his grandparents so he was always like super excited to take out all the ornaments and I remember I would like decorate the tree with him and he had like a story for like every ornament of like who it belonged to and where it came from and how he got it so there was just, like, so much, like, tr- like family tradition woven into everything, which was just, like, really special. Yeah. See, not everything's doing and gloom literally a- and despair. <laughs> it's
1: literally April, and we're, like, having this whole conversation about Christmas. Oh, I
0: know. I freaking love Christmas. You know what? And I totally got, like, gypped yeah. from, of Christmas this year because... Yeah, because we were moving and renovating and I just didn't really get to have a Christmas very much this year. So Christmas in April. Yeah,
1: but I feel like now I we're supposed to keep things positive <laughs> now in my life. Like I remember because my, my birthday is uh, December 27th, so two days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I was able to enjoy Christmas and we'd always have our huge Christmas party like where we would have all of our friends come over on December 27th. Yeah. Um, so that was like another thing that we did. So I remember my birthday always being really special as well, but I think now as I became an adult, like I just have a harder time, like connecting with Christmas and my birthday. Mm. So that's something I think I'm, I'm trying to like recently I've been working on healing my inner child. So I think that's something, I mean, I do have a long time to go, but like being able to heal my relationship with. Uh, With holidays in general. I mean, Easter is coming up and I was thinking about what I'm going to do for Easter. I'm like, ah, probably nothing, but maybe I'll have to plan something that won't give me a heart attack.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you and I were actually talking about this in the last couple of days about healing our inner child. And I think that's like perfect timing because we've been kind of planning to have an episode like this where we talk about some of the more beautiful moments of our childhood. And we were talking about that, like healing the inner child. And can you share some of the things that you told me about, like so, some of the things you're trying to do to help heal your inner child?
1: Yeah. Um. So I recently, the other day I posted on my Instagram story of different, of, you know, like a question thing where people respond of like, what, what do you do to help heal your inner child? And it was just one of those like in the moment things, like I hadn't really thought thought about it until that moment. Um, And I had a few responses of people telling me about what they do. And it was just like, just the most random shit. And that's what I wanted. Like, I wanted people to just be like, walking down the street, like, (laughs) (laughs) just the most like, random shit. And it really made me, um, it made me really start thinking about what it, what it means to heal your inner child, because it's like, okay, well, what is your inner child? And I started to tap into it. And I'm thinking all, when I was younger and a child and all of the little things that made me excited. And I have a huge imagination. I mean, we grew up without a TV, so that's all we had. (laughs) So we had so like a lot of imagination and, um, I remembered I was just always like one of those people that romanticized moments and, um, all of these things in my childhood that made me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And, um, n- because of trauma, I wasn't really able to dwell in that happiness and dwell in that joy because it would just end up getting like ripped away from me because of the shit we went through. Mm-hmm. Um, but as an adult now, you know, we have a harder time connecting with joy and connecting with happiness mm-hmm. because life has kicked us in the ass at this point point. Mm-hmm. and being able to go back and meditate or, or reflect on those moments that made you happy as a child and be able to relive it and put it back into your life. So I start, I made a list in my memos of all of the things that I loved doing as kids, as a child, just the small little shit that just made me excited. And I, and I had this whole list, like, um, when I was younger, I used to go outside and sit on my front porch swing in the morning in the summer and just listen to the birds chirp. I didn't have a phone or headphones or music. I would just listen to nature And I would just think about my day and think about life. And it was just so amazing. And now I try to do that, like open up the windows and just not listen to, not listen to any music and just listen to the sound of nature. Or um, when I was younger, I used to love driving over like bridges and stuff. So now as an adult, whenever I drive over like a ramp to get on the highway or whatever, I just like soak it in. I'm like, this is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that. But there's a lot. Yeah, there's a, a, but there's a lot that goes into it. And another one of my mutual friends, she commented, uh, part of healing her inner child was accepting her queerness. And that really hit me because I, I have elaborated before, but what it was like for me when I was younger and cause I'm a bisexual woman and being, a child and having those thoughts like uh, like feeling like oh am i attracted to women but feeling absolute terror that that was a reality because we grew up in an extremely homophobic household mm-hmm. um now i'm like holy shit like i in the last few years accepting my bisexuality has like healed that version of myself so much, like that fear of myself and fear of my desires. And it just goes into everything, like healing your sexuality. And um, yeah, it's, it's really something that even tapping into and thinking about it can be extremely healing within itself.
0: Yeah. I love that stuff. I started like Going a little bit into healing my inner child a few years ago, there was a book that I read called The Artist's Way. And I actually took a course with some friends um, with like a, a facilitator, I guess. And the book is about like healing your inner child and like unlocking your creativity. And so there was like a lot of activities that I did that really helped with that. And I think it was like a good foundation for me to start putting into, into practice some of these ways to heal the inner child. And some of those are like remembering the things that made you excited as a child or made you feel safe or made you feel joy because they're often like very simple little things and we forget about them. And then like treating ourselves to those things Um, or remembering something like, like if you were like when you were a child, if there was like a toy you wanted, but you never got it, like going out and buying that toy for yourself, you know, stuff like that. And it's just like really special. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually, I don't think I ever told you this. I had the, I did this meditation. This is maybe like three years ago now. Um, I did this guided meditation. I couldn't even tell you what it was called. I just know it was on the app called insight timer and it was like some kind of like a heal your inner child type of situ like guided meditation thing. And I went and sat in the backyard of the house that I had at the time in the sun and put my headphones on and did this guided meditation. And I just kind of like followed all the prompts. And to pause that for a second and kind of give a quick backstory, you were talking about how you would sit on the front porch on the swing and I used to do the same thing. I would sit on the front porch and like rock myself. And and now that I think back, I used to like sit also in mom's rocking chair all the time and rock myself. And I think that was just like a way to self-soothe in an environment where nothing else, no one else and nothing else was really soothing us. And our nervous systems were constantly dysregulated. So I used to sit in the summertime on the swing on the, on the front porch and then in the winter time in mom's rocking chair and um, my favorite thing to do as a child would was to, when I had downtime, like in between all the chores and the babysitting and school, I would go sit in mom's rocking chair and I'd close my eyes and I would rock myself back and forth. And I had all of these fantasy worlds that lived in my head at different times in my life. And I would create these fantasy worlds. And usually I was like the, the protagonist, I guess, or like the main person in these fantasy worlds. And I would tell, I would make up stories. So I would sit in the, in the in the rocking chair, rock back and forth. And I would like close my eyes and I'd go back to that world that I was in. And I would remember where I had left off the last time. And I would pick up there and I would literally create these stories in my head. And I would like r- live this story in my imaginary world. And I think it was just a way for me probably to dissociate, but like <laughs> to feel some kind of safety. So this guided meditation that i did it had me go back to a point in my life this is so chirpy it had me like envision myself walking in like me now as an adult walking through the front doors of my house and seeing me my childhoods my my child like me as a child doing something and walking up to my to that child and saying something to that child and like hugging that child. Like, and it was really, really strange because I went through this guided meditation. And in the meditation, I walked through the front doors of our house and I looked over into the living room and there I was rocking myself in mom's rocking chair. And I like walked over to my childhood self and I like bent down and started talking to her and like gave her a hug. And I don't remember everything I said to her in this meditation. But the really crazy thing is, is that now, whenever I recall myself sitting in mom's rocking chair, I open my eyes in the memory and there I am coming through the front door and walking up to me and bending down and talking to me and giving me a hug and like telling me that everything's going to be okay. Like the guided meditation literally rewired the memory in my head. And now like it's associated with older me coming to like I act that's the memory now is that I me now walk through the front doors and actually came and had a conversation with me like when I was a child is so weird
1: (laughs) that brings tears to my eyes because I'm just thinking about what I mean growing up it was I like having that that fantasy world in my head and I used to just romanticize my life and my future and just like the possibilities of what my life had in store because we were especially being homeschooled like we didn't go to a lot of places and we felt so stuck in our situation we knew that my mom would never leave because of religion and it's just like is this just gonna be the next like however many years and I remember thinking a lot about like my future and who I was going to be in my future. And it's crazy to think like, I am this now, like now I, I can't like as much as, as many of the things that I struggle with now and as imperfect as I am now, I just like, I know that I, the version I am now is I couldn't even imagine my life being the way that it is now as a child. And now I'm thinking the same thing about like going and confronting that version of myself. And also, I've heard a, a lot of people doing um, like writing letters to their younger selves mm-hmm. and like reading it out loud to a mirror. Um, I can't remember what that's called, but um, being able to just like act as if you're speaking to that version of yourself.
0: Hmm. Mm. Yeah. It really, I don't know. It's so crazy. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, something I really wanted to do as a child, and this is something I didn't get to do very often was I always loved nature. And this kind of started when our family took a trip to Oregon when I was 11 and Agnes, you were a baby. You were on that trip, but you were like a little baby. Um, we drove, so my, our grampy, so my mom's dad, flew out from Oregon, because like all my, all of our mom's side of the family lives out in Oregon, except for her sister that lived in the city, but grampy flew out, and uh, drove mom and all of us kids back to Oregon to spend the summer, and dad stayed behind because he had to work, and we spent. It was like almost two months we were gone. That was like the trip of my whole childhood because we never got to travel because we didn't have money and that was just a luxury we didn't get to have. So that was like the trip of my whole childhood and we spent a week driving across the whole country. We spent like, I don't know, like a little over a month out in Oregon and then we, I think we took like almost a week and a half to get back to Illinois after it was all done and we just saw all the sights along the way and it was my first time seeing mountains And going through Colorado, like Colorado just left a permanent mark on me because from that point on, from 11 years old on, I knew that when I grew up, I was going to move to Colorado and I, and I eventually did, I did move to Colorado and I lived there for a year and a half. And then I met Braden's dad and we moved here to Las Vegas and the rest is history. But like, I did do that. And that was something I was always so proud of that, that I really like remembered that and I followed through with it. And when I would sit on the front porch swing and rock myself, I just, like, envisioned being surrounded by the mountains and the forest and, like, the fresh mountain air. And I just have always loved that. That's just such a special thing for me. And that trip to Oregon, just, we spent so much time out in nature, in the mountains, and in the Pacific Northwest, as, as you and I both know, is just, like, a whole vibe. It's so beautiful. And yeah, <laughs> I just remember that summer, just, feet, it was just just so profound for me and being so in such a contemplative place and there were so many just beautiful memories that were made and and like connections that we made with with distant family members and but that was just something like being in nature and so for me now as an adult Part of me healing my inner child is that, to go out in the mountains, to wander around in the mountains, to go into the forest, to just have alone time with nature. That's just, I think for me, one of the most healing things for my inner child is just like living that dream that I wanted so badly. I, so
1: I don't remember that organ trip because I was like one or two years old. Oh, I don't even think you were two.
0: You were, you were a baby. (laughs) I, I was a baby. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, but I had a similar experience back in 2014, I believe, 2014 or 2015. Um, my, our grampy, my mom's father, he was sick with cancer and, um, it was getting kind of bad. So my mom took it upon herself to pack us up. It was like the three girls and Luke. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was probably like 12 or 13 at this point. And we drove from Illinois to Oregon. And I remember we, it was, it, we didn't have like a, a date to a desk. What was it called? A return date. Yeah. We just went and we're gonna we were like we're gonna be there as long as we need to be there to help my grandpa and then we're gonna move back so we spent about four months out there um but that it, it was hard because you know I was 13 14, or 13, 12 13 and uh it's you know not an easy time at that age but we also had a lot of the same experiences like going out into nature a lot um, we would go to the Oregon coast all the time. And when I tell you, when you see videos, I see like the same location of the places that we would go to. I see all the time on TikTok now. Yeah. And I'm not saying, cause I know a lot of people in the Pacific Northwest say, stop coming here. <laughs> We're like, it's so expensive. But if you ever, ever have the opportunity to visit The pictures, the videos, the whole hype about, the whole Twilight vibe, the whole Pacific Northwest, it is beyond that. Experiencing the beauty of the Pacific Northwest is like nothing compares to it. The Oregon coast, Washington, Mount Hood, the volcanoes, the uh, Lost Lake, like all of that, Multnomah Falls, like, there is nothing more special than experiencing that in real life. So I as well can relate to that and like being out in nature. And even the simple stuff like being in the suburbs of Portland and in Newburgh, Oregon. That's where my mom grew up. Walking in the neighborhood every morning, we would walk to my grandma's house um, from where we were staying. And it was it was always rainy, but something about the rain wasn't depressing. Yeah. The rain was beautiful and and it wasn't like it was it wasn't like it was pouring down rain all the time it was usually like misty and it was very hydrating and like (laughs) refreshing actually um and walking down the street usually this would make me feel gross but something about it was special but all of the little worms and the snails would come out and the the whole street and the sidewalk were just covered in them so we would tiptoe across the sidewalk try not to step on any of them um but that was i always remember that it was it's just you just like feel connected to the earth in such a different level than being out here in the desert or in the midwest
0: yeah it's so interesting because i guess you probably went out to oregon and spent a significant amount of time there you were about the same age that I was when I got to have that experience.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: I was 11. So a little bit younger. I don't, I hadn't like hit puberty yet. Like I wasn't, I remember I was still a kid. Like there was still that like kid, that innocence. Like I, my body hadn't started like changing and like my hormones Mm -hmm. weren't all trippy yet. (laughs) So it it was like a (laughs) good, it was like a good time um but i just always as a kid i think i was always just very like deep i guess like i always like i i had a very very as you me said
1: too. yeah as
0: you said like a very very vivid imagination i had very very deep worlds inside of me that i would simultaneously experience along with the external reality and yeah so and i was just like very contemplative um I was a kid, but I also, I think was very stoic in certain ways. Um, and I was always like, just, I don't know. I don't even, I was always like, I've always been a very future oriented person to the, to the point that it gives me really, um, unhealthy anxiety, but like, I really used,
1: (laughs) I was going to say the same thing. Yeah.
0: Right. But like, I just was always contemplating and like in my head, like envisioning the future, um, and it was so important to me yeah. and I, I'm sure that again was a product of our environment and just trying to feel safe, but I just was just, yeah, that, that time going to Oregon was a very, very deep and profound time for me to really go inward and, and just be soaking it all in. And it really fed those inner worlds for me in in a very healing way.
1: Yes, Absolutely. And so before we close out the episode, before you and I recorded this episode, I was having like a mental breakdown Yeah, (laughs) because I, uh, Margaret did her homework because every episode we have like more of like meditative homework and she did her homework. She called me last night saying that she wrote journal prompts about her stories and I was like, I have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because and I started like really sulking and I was feeling um, I was feeling sad because I felt like I had these like little stories and stuff that like happened in my life. But I felt kind of angry because I was like, well, within all of those those stories, there's just I feel like there's just a lot more negative. And then it made me start to think about like disassociation and delusion because I'm like, well, fuck, maybe all of these good memories that happened to me weren't actually good. I was just trying to soothe myself or romanticize it or be delusional about it in order for me to, like, cope. But I think recording this right now, because I knew once we hit record, I would be able to, like, function. (laughs) (laughs) But um, at, at this point right now, I'm able to reflect and realize maybe that was true. Maybe I did have an insane imagination and all of these things is as as much negativity that, as there was. Um, maybe the reason why there was positivity was because it was romanticized in my head and because I did have a delusion where I imagined things to be better than they were. But I'm grateful for that because that's actually very special. And our and on this earth, there's so much shit, there's so much nastiness, you can get consumed by it. And I think that and it's not saying that all of that is fake. I think it's very much real, but it's just a different dimension. You're tapping into a world that's not the physical world. Having delusion about a negative experience to try to make it positive is rejecting the negativity of this physical realm and just tapping into the spiritual realm. And there's something so special about having that gift. And I can see it as well in you, Margaret. And that's what I'm most grateful for from my childhood.
0: Yeah. When you were, when you were telling me earlier this morning that you were afraid that you just were romanticizing your childhood and it was delusional, I, I resonated with that. Like I've had times where I felt that way as well. Like as an example, the story that I shared about sitting in the rocking chair and closing my eyes and like, and, and going into these fantasy worlds, you know, or, or just like sometimes leaving my body and just kind of zoning out. Like There was a period in my younger adulthood, I think, where I had a fondness for those memories. And then I started social work school and I started like learning about all this stuff and I learned about disassociation and like what that is and I suddenly realized like oh fuck, like I was disassociating. That's not good. That's unhealthy. (laughs) And I started to kind of muddy up those memories a little bit. And it kind of like tainted them a little bit and and i viewed them in that way of like oh i was this child growing up in this fucked up traumatic environment and i had to like go to these inner worlds just to escape and try to cope with that How, how how depressing right and as i tend to do in life i'll i'll take one extreme view of something and then i'll tend to the pendulum will swing to the other extreme But eventually with time, I'm able to kind of take the two things, the the paradoxal ends, the the conflicting narrative, and I'm able to kind of integrate it and meet in the middle and understand that all of that can be true at the same time. Yes, I had a very, and you did too, Agnes, we had very rich imaginations as children. Um, That is a beautiful thing to have. I think there was times where we had to have that as a protective mechanism as a means to survive in an environment and that's sad but at the same time thank god we had that it's like the silver lining to the tragic story and and that's something that i that i think that i kind of want to wrap up with that i think is really really important because there's going to be struggles in life there's going to be adversities there's going to be grief there's going to be heartbreak and sometimes, as we well know, there's times in life where we're in really bad situations. We're in unhealthy relationships. We are in unhealthy friendships. We're in a toxic work environment. There's different things that will happen. And sometimes when we're in, I, I'm speaking from experience here, sometimes when we're in the situation, we're, we are a little bit delusional. We don't see how bad things are on the outside. And so we develop these survival mechanisms to help us get through. And, you know, that's not always, it's healthy, but it's not healthy. You know, like, it's its like, you need that to survive, but eventually the dam has to break and you, you need to get out, especially if it's a toxic or abusive situation, you have to get out. But then processing that situation, looking back at it, like, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like... There is, there are some beautiful things that we gain from that, and it's a very touchy, nuanced subject. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's both. We can look at our childhood, and we 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 have on many episodes mm-hmm. talked about the hard things and and like the, the really fucked up things that happen to us. But I think it's that, and it's also this: being able to recognize the beautiful moments stitched into all of that. I think it's so important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, to wrap it up, Margaret, what are you grateful for today? You almost forgot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Oh, my goodness. What am I grateful for today? So Brayden is actually moving to Dallas on Monday. So in two days. And I'm not exactly grateful for that because that's going to be a little bit challenging, I think, for my mommy heart. But what I am grateful for is that we're totally taking advantage of this weekend and we are spending lots of time with friends and loved ones and we're not able to see everybody we want to see, which makes me sad, but I'm just trying to focus on the people we are seeing this weekend and the fun memories that we're making right now. So I am grateful for that this last weekend of me and Braden together in Las Vegas before the move to Dallas. Yeah. How about you, Agnes? What are you grateful for today? I am
1: grateful because today I get to go see my nephew Zayden. And Aww. for anyone who doesn't know, um, when I lived in Illinois, I lived there for two years, and uh, when Zayden was born, I was his full-time nanny up until he was a year and a half. So we are very, very close. And um, every time I see him, even now he's two years old, going going on three actually. Um, he he knows me. <laughs> he knows my smells, the sound of my voice, my snuggles. So I get to see him today. Um, we're gonna go hit the pool, go get some breakfast with my brother. It's gonna be really fun. so I'm super grateful for that. Oh, I love
0: that. All right, thank you everybody for listening to our childhood memories today and uh, we're gonna have to send this episode to a few special people that we gave a shout out to. Yeah, so everyone have a great weekend we believe in the power of taking even one minute a day to breathe and find gratitude in the little things wherever you are if you are able close your eyes take a deep breath in and out and reflect on something that you are grateful for today we are so honored that you could join us in this discussion today and we hope you have a beautiful week
1: If you enjoyed today's Unrefined Woman podcast episode, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. To check out other episodes, please visit our website at unrefinedwoman.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. To stay in the loop and receive access to additional content, please follow us on TikTok, username Unrefined Woman, and on Instagram at Unrefined Special thanks to Walter Birdsong for the album cover, Margaret Rainey for our podcast music, Andrew Cioni for our Gratitude Prompt music, and Sean Butcher for editing and production. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.
0: I'm curious. And I was shocked because again it was I was at like the very very end like after the outro cuz so I was curious like how many people are going to actually like listen all the way to the end cuz normally when it's like halfway through the gratitude, like if I'm listening to the episode it's like halfway through the gratitude prompt I'm like okay I know what's next I'm done and I turned it off. So Well it's like Marvel
1: fans.
0: You probably wouldn't
1: know cuz I don't know if you're a Marvel fan but and Marvel fans or Marvel movies, every movie at the end, like after the credits or in the middle of the credits, they show like a special scene that is like the spoiler uh. to the next movie. So real Marvel fans, when you go to the movie theater, because, you know, as soon as those credits hits, everybody's just running out of the theater. Real Marvel fans yeah. sit tight and they wait for this special scene because they know it's coming. Every single one, without a doubt. But, you know, you're a fake Marvel fan if you get up and leave because you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, the real fans will hear our bloopers.
0: <laughs> yay. Such a cringy way to end. Don't do that. Sean, X that out. Don't do, don't do my yay. <laughs> okay. So oh we'll just uh, okay. instead we're going to say.